Life Church, please stand as we worship this morning.
great to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Hear these words from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the wings of the eagle.
Good morning. My name is Tyler, and this is my wife, Sam, and we will be your host this morning. Um, we'd like to start this time just by welcoming the kids down to the stage. So if you're uh, ages 3 to 5 or grades 1 to 5, please come down and take a seat on these steps. Also, if you're a kids' church leader or a Little Lights leader, please join the kids down here as well. Congregation, please uh, just extend a hand of blessing to these kids as we pray for them. Father, we thank you for all these kids here. We pray that you would bless them in Kids Church and Little Lights today. We pray, Lord, that you would show your face to them and that they would have listening ears for their leaders. God, we also pray for the leaders, and we ask that you would bless them with patience and energy today to lead these kids and to bless them. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Uh, so Little Lights and leaders can exit to the door on my left, and then Kids Church and leaders can exit to the door on my right. We're so happy that you're all here with us this morning. If you're new here, we'd invite you to fill out a Connect card that can be found in the seat in front of you. And if you're online, we encourage you to leave a comment and interact with others watching online as well. We have an event called The Journey coming up. New Life will be offering sessions once a month to equip participants for the journey of faith. These classes will be hosted in room 303 on the fourth Saturday of every month from 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 on a variety of topics. They are open to anyone and the intent is for these discipleship workshops to help form our faith as we learn to be followers of Jesus. This first session is on Saturday, February 24, and this will be a skill-building workshop on better care through listening. This workshop is hosted by Telecare Crisis and Caring Line, and it's called Listen Up. And to sign up for the February Journey session or to learn more about the workshop, you can visit newlifecrc.ca slash events. So another event that we have in February is our worship night. So this is being hosted here at New Life on Monday, February 26th at 7 p.m. There will be an evening of praising God and having fellowship with him and each other. Uh, if there's a song that's been on your heart lately or just a song that you would like to sing with everybody, we ask you just to reach out to Janessa and she will include that in the worship night. So again, that's Monday, February 26th at 7 p.m. Uh, next, we are going to take our offering and today's offering is for the Joshua House. Joshua House is a local men's addiction recovery center and is one of our mission partners here. So you can give your offering listed on the screen or in the ways listed on the screen, or you can give your offering in the boxes at the front of the stage during the fellowship time. And just a reminder that if you don't designate where you want your offering to go, it will go to the New Life budget. 
So let's pray for the offering. God, we just thank you that we can be here today and we pray over this offering. Lord, we just pray for generous hearts here and that you would multiply um, all the funds that come in. We pray that the funds would be a huge blessing to Joshua House and that it would increase their reach and their ministry. Um, We thank you for Joshua House, Lord, and we just pray that you would bless them and uh, the ministry that they are doing. For these things in Jesus' name, amen. Before we take our fellowship time, we're dismissing the grades 6 to 9 to second Sunday breakaway. The purpose of this ministry is to break away during the service to engage in deeper conversations and ask questions about the sermon topics. You can meet your leaders at the top east balcony door. If you're on this side, you might have to come all the way down and around. Um, Yep, and they'll meet in room 303 upstairs, and you'll be back in the auditorium before the end of the service. If you're in grades 6 to 9, you may leave now. And while they leave, um, we'll just introduce the fellowship time. Um, We have three minutes coming up, and this is a time to meet someone new, greet one another, and you can also bring your offering down to the front or grab a cup of coffee. Have a great Sunday.
Good morning. Hi. Good Hi. Morning. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Yes. Good, Good to see you. Nice. Yes. Yes, I'm going to be preaching. Yes. Yeah. I saw it go flying. <laughs> Well, welcome again to New Life Church. So glad to be together here this morning. Would you take a seat, please? people on the floor, people over uh, up on the balcony on this side are looking very comfortable with new carpet. So, yes, we will be done uh, this coming week. Took them, uh, well, four days to get about two-thirds of the way, so we should finish up this week and then uh, we'll have a full balcony again next week, so. Well, let's, uh, let's come to God before uh, we open his word. Let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you that you gather us here in your presence and that we can sing your praise. God, you have been faithful. Thank you for the testimony of every person in this place that sang with gusto those words, that you are faithful. And so, God, we pray that as we turn to your word, that we'll hear your voice and know your faithfulness. As we look ahead into this new week, God, I pray that you will draw us close to you, that we can... Uh, walk closely with you, and uh, be strengthened by your presence, by your grace, and uh, in your love. God, we confess that in this past week, uh, we've not paid attention in the way that we ought to have uh, to you, to your direction, to your call. And so we pray, Father, that uh, you will forgive us, and that you will renew us in our hearts and in our minds to love you and to serve you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, we look around and uh, it makes us fearful and sad to know the condition of our world. And yet, Father, as we enter into the church season of Lent this week, we're reminded that you suffered for the sake of the world to renew all creation. And so we also cry out, God, for your salvation, for your redemption of this hurting world. God, we pray for uh, all those who are suffering today throughout the world in many different countries, especially 
in the Middle East, in Gaza, Israel. God, we pray too for those suffering in Ukraine and many other parts of the world where there is violence and war and uh, elections that seem to be so disruptive these days. And so in all of that unrest, God, we look to you. You who suffered as well for our sake. We pray that you will bring your light and your peace into this world. And may we be your instruments. And so as we testify to your faithfulness, God, help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you want to win at the PGA Masters, you don't just show up with a green coat and expect to gain the trophy. You have to do a lot of practice first. If you want to paint like Van Gogh, you don't just show up with yellow paint and a paintbrush. You have to practice. If You want to become a great author. You don't just look for your name on the best New York Times bestseller list. You have to write a lot and practice. If you want to be a musician, you don't just show up in a concert hall and expect people to clap. You have to practice. If you want to be a Christian, You have to train for godliness. You have to practice. Listen to the Apostle Paul as he instructs a young Timothy who was pastoring one of the churches that the Apostle Paul founded in Ephesus. And so Paul elsewhere writes to young Timothy. And he says these few words. We'll talk about the context a little bit later. But he says this. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. You train in godliness. It doesn't just happen just because you said, yep, I love God. You train for godliness. Not because you have to be the best or you're trying to come out on top. You practice because otherwise you don't stay true to being a Christian. It's about who you are. Now, we're used to hearing that being a Christian is is simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. It's that simple. And that's true. But to be Christian, in terms of your identity, in terms of who you are, in terms of how you think, in terms of how you act, that takes training. Training. 
Because being a Christian is more than just a get-out-of-jail-free card. There are practices that help you to become what you profess to be. And those practices have been known for centuries as spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Now, perhaps that word discipline kind of draws us away in thinking, oh no, that's going to be too hard. But over the next few weeks, during this church season of Lent, which begins this Wednesday, in fact, we're going to be looking uh, at, in the following Sundays, we'll be looking at some of these spiritual disciplines, these practices of faith that help us to train in godliness. Practices like prayer and fasting and giving. Practices like serving. Practices like silence and solitude. Or simplicity and submission. Confession and celebration. Faith practices that shape us and challenge us. And so, well, as you hear these messages, and it's your challenge to not only pay attention, but also to say, what of these disciplines could I take up? What of these practices could I pursue or, or maybe build on? I suspect many of you have some of these practices already in your life. And maybe you need to build on that practice, or maybe you need to take up new practices, or maybe you've never even thought of it. You just said, well, I just want to be. But according to God's word, we need to train for godliness. And here's why. In the first place, we train for godliness. We, We have these spiritual disciplines to embody our faith. Somebody's written this. Many Christians do not enjoy the full benefits of a life of faith. Though they believe in God, they don't necessarily live in the experience of faith that should accompany that belief. During my sabbatical uh, last fall, this was my big revelation. And it's my confession, too, that in many areas of my life and at many times in my life, God has just been a good idea. I I knew the theology, I knew what I believed, and uh, God was out there, and he was taking care of things, and so on. And I assented to all that, I agreed to all that. For the most part, I just wanted to fit in with the surrounding culture, not stick out, not be set apart. And so I carried on just doing my own thing. Good things, perhaps. Being up here preaching, hopefully, is a good thing. Paul's warning is that 
If God is just a good idea, it's too easy to fall away from faith. And then, and then the question comes, if God is just a good idea, how do I embody that faith? How do, how do, I, how do I make it real? How, how do I realize that God is real in my life? And that, I'm discovering, is what spiritual disciplines are. I suspect that, and this has probably been true throughout church history, that a lot of times the spiritual disciplines have been thought of as something you just do, whether you like it or not, you just do it to somehow please God. Or, perhaps worse, to impress God. You, you, you do your Bible reading. Hope God liked that. And, ooh, I got that done in five minutes today. Awesome. Spiritual disciplines aren't there to impress God. They're, the spiritual disciplines, the practices of faith, aren't even there for their own sake. It's not that you have to get good at reading the Bible. It's not that you have to be a great prayer to be a Christian. It's that those disciplines, those practices, shape you so that you become who you profess to be, so that you can embody your faith, so that it's not just a, um, a good idea that you assent to, but that it, it becomes your life. It becomes physical. Faith becomes physical. That's what Paul was talking about even in uh, his letter to the Philippians, to an entire church. He was encouraging them in the midst of, of his own imprisonment and uh, the Philippian Christians wondering, man, is any of this worth it, this faith? Perhaps they too thought, well, faith in God's a good idea, let's do it. But then when persecution came and when hardship came, they thought, is this worth it? And then Paul says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as he reflects on, on, on the suffering of Jesus Christ, he says this, Therefore, my dear friends, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Practice your faith. Discipline yourself. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You see, not, not, not that we have to generate our own salvation. That's not what he means by working it out. But instead, he means to live it out. To live out that faith that you profess. The good ideas that you have about God, live that out. That takes practice. I don't want to just have a good idea in my head that God is with me. I want to actually walk with him. I don't want to just believe that my sins are forgiven. I want to feel the relief from my shame and guilt and live more freely. 
I don't want to just agree with the scriptures that God provides in all ways and in all things. I want to live without fear of the future. I want God to be real. Not just a good idea. The spiritual disciplines help us to embody that faith so that we can live it. To live in the reality of God, his presence, and in the reality of his salvation. To live out faith practices that pull you out of blindness into the light of God's real kingdom. That's happening right now, right here in this place. That's what it means to train for godliness. To make God real in our lives. It's a discipline. That requires some kind of structure. And that's what Paul's referring to when he talks about self-control. Self-control is, is the last, in fact, of Paul's list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, another letter that he writes to the Galatian church. And he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, about how the Spirit lives in us and bears fruit in the way we live our lives. And so he mentions that fruit, love, joy, peace. Those are the big three. Those, those are, man, those are major. Love, joy, peace. And then it's as if, at least when we read it, it's as if it kind of trails off and it's like, well, yeah, the other stuff. I, I, you know. And the very last one is self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, whatever, you know, whatever. Except that's not the way Paul treats self-control because later on when he writes to another pastor that he has put in place on the island of Crete in that young fledgling church on that island, a guy by the name of Titus, he keeps coming back to self-control because what he's trying to instruct Titus about is, as in the same way that he's instructing Timothy, is how to sustain a church how are you going to sustain a church? Well, each person individually has to exercise self-control. And so he writes in Titus chapter 2, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. That's God's offer. God has accomplished that already. But here's, here's our side of it. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live, here it is, and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. Paul knows full well how difficult it is to live in this world as a person of faith in God's salvation. And so he insists on this self-control. Self-control will keep belief in God real. Self-control, not cleanliness. Self-control is next to godliness. Restraining yourself from whatever you feel like. Right? In our culture, 
It's what you, whatever you feel like doing. You be you. I'll be me. Right? We talk about that in terms of trying to be authentic. We, we strive so much for authenticity. Oh, just be you. Paul would say, that's baloney. Self-control teaches you to be you in terms of who you profess to be. Not in terms of who you feel like being, but who you profess to be. I need to exercise self-control. And I gain that muscle for self-control by the practice of spiritual disciplines. We want to move away from the idea that godliness is merely God's work in us. Of course, that's true. God is at work within us. But to make room in our lives for godliness is also our work of putting to death our sin. Putting aside the brokenness and letting God mend us together. In his book on gratitude, Cornelius Plantinga gives a good example of this. He, he introduces it this way, and then I'll apply it in terms of spiritual disciplines. He says, suppose my besetting sin is conceit, arrogance. This, I'm better than you, everybody. Suppose my besetting sin is conceit. I'm too wily to, like, uh, uh, Crafty. I'm too crafty to say it out loud, but I secretly think I'm hot stuff. I think I'm better than others. And if others don't know it, they should. I might motor along with this superior attitude for years until, until something, probably God, until something jolts me awake. And at that point, at that point, it's a matter of putting to death our sin. At that point, the work of God is doing its cleansing and you have to team up with God. The spiritual discipline of meditation would help you realize the the unbelievable greatness of God. And it would help you realize how puny you are. Or the spiritual discipline of confession helps you lament the sin and plead with God to rid you of it. And the spiritual discipline of celebration leads you to recognize the gifts and the goodness of other people to realize that you aren't so special after all. See how the spiritual disciplines shape our godliness while God is at work within us. Work out your salvation. Work it out. It takes self-control. That self-control, though, 
While it's central to Paul and he instructs Timothy, he instructs Titus to exercise that self-control and, and by urging them to exercise it, he's implying that, man, you've got to instruct every Christian into that self-control. Not only because it's good for you individually, but because also, and here's the third thing about the spiritual disciplines, they sustain the church, the body of Christ. Spiritual disciplines sustain the body of Christ. It ends up that self-control then becomes a pretty major fruit of the Spirit. And yet it's not just personal self-control that keeps us spiritually healthy on an individual basis. Back to 1 Timothy 4. Our text in in, uh, 1 Timothy 4 makes our spiritual health a community concern. This letter to Timothy is about instruction for sustaining not only himself in the faith, but his whole congregation in faith. Listen, this is what what Paul says at the beginning of chapter 4. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Uh, Paul didn't like these people, apparently. But then he says this says to Timothy, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Warn people of the wiliness, the craftiness of our sin. Warn people of, of those, what does he say? Those hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. It's easy for us to be sucked into that because we just want to fit in. Let's admit that. Let's confess that. We just want to be part of this world. We, just want, we don't want people to look at us funny. We don't want to stick out. We don't want to miss out on anything this world has to offer And so we get sucked into these things or into the lies. Paul isn't only concerned about spiritual health. He's concerned about the health of the church. And that's when he says that spiritual exercise is critical. Point these things out and you'll be a good minister. And then he goes on, have nothing to do with godless myths. Physical training is good, but godliness is good for everything. You can't say, you can't say, if I let my spiritual life slide a little, well, I'm okay with that. Not just because that's just a bad attitude, but also because that hurts the church. It's a matter of credibility. Credibility for the body of Christ. It's a matter of witness to the world. Of 
God's salvation. Fred Rogers. Remember Fred Rogers? Right? The neighborhood dude? <laughs> right? With, with the nice, you know, the cozy sweater and, right? Prim and proper and everything, right? Fred Rogers was asked if people making fun of his quirkiness bothered him. He said, oh, no. No, except for one time when a comedian mimicked Fred Rogers in his uh, so-called adult comedy routine, mimicked uh, Fred Rogers, complete with cardigan and uh, tucked-in shirt and everything, And he went on in his routine to say, Now, children, take your mother's hairspray and your father's cigarette lighter and press the buttons together, and uh, you'll, you'll know the rest. Rogers ended up taking that comedian to court for a cease and desist. Not because it bothered him personally, but because his persona was tainted and his credibility was damaged. What if, he said, what if some child thought, hey, this guy's like Fred Rogers. I better do what he says. It would be disaster. Something similar happens to Christ's church when we fail to heed the Instruction here in 1 Timothy 4. We not only diminish our own personal godliness, but the church's credibility becomes weakened by our sloppiness. And so here this morning, as we begin this series on the spiritual disciplines, in this season of Lent, a season in which we reflect on the suffering of Christ for our sake, For our sake, Christ took upon himself the burden of our sin and our brokenness to redeem us, to rescue us. In in this season that we reflect on that, let's also work at our spiritual formation. Indeed, for our own sake, but for God's sake for the sake of the body of Christ. Let's pray together. God, each one of us is present here this morning and perhaps thoughts are floating in our mind of, yeah, I know, I'm not good enough. Help us to see past that, Father. Not in terms of whether we're good enough, but simply in terms of our hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Our hunger and, and, and thirst for your love and mercy and compassion upon our lives. And so, Father, we pray that this morning you, you will renew us, perhaps convict us, but draw us close to you. And In our faith, God, help us to reach beyond the good ideas into living out our faith, working out our salvation, even while we see you at work 
in our lives. Open our eyes, God, to see that. This week, God, reveal us, reveal to us your presence in our lives, perhaps in a startling way, perhaps in the normal, ordinary routines of our life, God. Help us to see with our actual eyes, with the eyes of our heart and our, the eyes of our minds, help us to see you at work in our life. And then with obedience, God, help us to pursue our relationship with you through prayer, through Bible reading, through silence, through serving others, through confession, through walking alone with you. God, in all of these ways, help us to pursue you, to know you, and to live with you. Because you are our life. You are our salvation. Holy Spirit, renew us, redeem us, and fill us with your life, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, the children are going to come in and the teens uh, from Breakaway. And if you did not receive a communion uh, cup, then uh, please just raise your hand and uh, some of the distributors are going to uh, come around and uh, make sure that you have uh, one of those as we uh, sing together.
soon returning as we hold to this assurance spirit come spirit come spirit come spirit come as a people believing in the promise of God's salvation, in the promise of a savior, we come to the Lord's table. Here, Jesus gives us something physical, something tangible, something, something to make it real. That promise, to make that promise real, to sustain us with the bread of life and the cup of salvation. And so all who are baptized and believe in Jesus Christ as the master of their life and as the savior of their life are welcome to join us in this celebration of the Lord's table and of God's grace. We come to this table not just as individuals, but we come as a community sharing this bread and this cup. And so, by doing so, Christ makes us one. One with him and one with one another. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for this gift that you have given us to make our faith real. And so as we take part in this Lord's Supper, we pray, God, that that our faith may be made real, more than a good idea, that you will indeed feed us by your truth and your grace, that you will nourish us with your love and your mercy. God, that you will sustain us as faithful followers of Jesus because we've taken you in and we are yours. Lord Jesus, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the sacrifice you have made for us. Thank you, God Almighty, that you revealed yourself and continue to reveal yourself over and over again by the way you give up yourself for our sake. May we live in that joy. May we live in that relationship with you. May this Lord's Supper bless us and enrich us and strengthen us to be faithful followers of Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We give thanks to God the Father, that our Savior, Jesus Christ, before he suffered, gave us this as a memorial of his sacrifice until he comes again. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body. It's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he took a cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And for when and whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death, the power of his death to bring life. We proclaim it until Jesus comes again. And so take uh, your communion vials, your communion cups, turn it to the wafer side, and as you pull that wafer from the first film, believe that the body of Christ is the bread of life that nourishes your faith. So take it, eat, and remember that the body of Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all your sins. As you pull the tab from the juice, to take part in the juice, believe that the blood of Christ is the cup of salvation. Take it. Drink it. Remember and believe that the blood of our Lord Jesus was poured out for the forgiveness of all our sin. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And all God's people said, amen. Would you stand and sing with us?
So as you go from this place, go in the strength of God, in his confidence, in his love. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you now and always. Amen. Have a great Sunday.